If you can't wait a whole month for our next episode, you can join our Patreon membership for early releases and exclusive content for only $5 a month at patreon.com slash transgender school. And you can rent our 90-minute course, Transgender Allyship 101, where we reenact my coming out and teach you how to be a true ally to any trans person in your life at vimeo.com slash on demand slash trans ally. Welcome to the Transgender School podcast, where we talk about diverse LGBTQ identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates. I'm Bridget. My daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman when she was 19. I was totally unprepared, but I've learned a lot since then. When I came to terms with my identity, I realized that I needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now I want to help other trans people navigate their own experiences. Welcome, everybody, to episode 30 of the Transgender School Podcast. We are very honored to have a special guest with us today, Dr. Chris Shane, who you may know from TLC Network's top-rated TV show, I Am Jazz, which we've been lucky enough to have a couple of other cast members visit us from. Chris has just been named one of the world's top advocates by Pride Life Global Magazine. She has over 25 years of experience guiding the world's top leaders in business, education, and community with trainings and speaking, and she is an expert in LGBTQ plus inclusion in education, in the workplace. She's been featured in the New York Times, on ABC News, on CNN. You can read her work in most of the top publications. I could go on and on and on. And so we're going to ask her a lot of great questions about all these areas of expertise that she has. But what did I leave out, Dr. Shane? I could go on and on. I have pages of your bio, but tell me what I left out that's important for our listeners to know. I mean, my dog would say I'm his mom. So I guess that's (laughs) kind of a thing. Well, Jackie and I share that too. We're both dog moms too. (laughs) You get a trio of dog moms. Maybe that's just the introduction (laughs) for today's show. I love it. I love it. We could talk about that quite a bit. So, and Jackie, welcome to the show today too. How are you doing today, Jackie? So far, so good. Still a little bit sore from a work softball game that I played yesterday, but that was a good time. So it was definitely worth it. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry you didn't win, but it sounds like you put in a good effort and had a good time and those old skills. left it all on the field. Back, yeah. (laughs) Good for you. Very cool. I just want to acknowledge, even though people will be listening to this in June, today is Mother's Day as we're recording. So this is a gift to me to get to be here with one of my kiddos because I don't get to be with them in person on Mother's Day. So thank you both for being here so that I get to have a little time with Jackie as well as doing this very important interview. So... We'll go ahead and dive right into questions. Jackie, you want to get started? Yeah. So Dr. Chris, please tell us a little bit about how you got into the work you do. It was sort of an accident, in all honesty. I didn't sit down and sketch out what my life plan was going to be. I just stumbled into recognizing that trans youth were an entire population that were not being supported, not being affirmed, not being accepted. And that just didn't sit right with me. And I sat with it and it sort of bugged me and bugged me and still bugged me. And for some reason, I couldn't get past being bothered by it. And I'm really a believer of 
when something bothers you, either do something about it or get over it. And I couldn't manage to get myself over it. So that only left me one choice. And I started doing volunteer work. And then I was working on my undergrad degree and decided to specialize in, I was in human development, decided to specialize in the LGBT plus community. And then as I was working, found out that a big problem at the time was mental health professionals were often struggling to recognize that somebody might be gay or trans, but that's not why they need mental health care. And so I was looking at going back to school and I thought I can do that. And, you know, it was certainly much easier in my mind than it was to learn how to do that. Social work and mental health are not easy professions, although the really good ones make it look really easy. It's not. So I was in that space for a long time and then started doing some work in education and earned my second master's in education where I specialize in inclusive curriculum. So this was before the world was doing sort of the opposite of what we have going on in the States right now. But realizing we so often make even our math problems where the married couples are always male, female, or maybe they are, if it's gonna be like Jose, it's always like Jose and Maria. It's never like Jose and Jane or Jose and John. And looking at why that is and what that teaches our kids or our young adults when they're not seeing themselves or who they might grow up to be represented. And it led me to start writing books. It led me to start teaching at universities and doing traveling and training and all sorts of conversations. The PhD came along somewhere in there. And now we are, well, it'll be June when y'all hear this. So the book will, the fourth book will already be out, but while we are recording, I'm a couple weeks away from that. And I'm hearing it's already getting banned in some places. So I must be doing something correctly. So you talked a little bit about the way the conversation has shifted since you've been doing this work, some books of yours being banned. Can you talk about why doing this work at this particular moment in our country and in the world is so important? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of research that talks about this idea of if you can see it, you can be it. And so now more than ever, even though there's this pushback, it's really critical that Little brown boys and girls are seeing healthy, educated, brilliant, brown and black adult male and female people. It's really important that as much as we talk about the assault rates and murder rates of transgender people, we're also talking about the happy stories and the joyful stories and the engagements and the weddings and the child raising of transgender people and looking at making sure somebody is not just included, but that both the realities are included that aren't just here's how people are victimized, but here are the ways that people can be really successful while also being a part of one or more marginalized communities. And the more that pushback happens, I think the more important it is for all of us to be really mindful that we're not leaving anybody out. I mean, I know at the age that I am, which is, you know, cough, cough, many years old, I'm still looking to the people who are my elders and seeing what they're doing or what they've done because it helps me figure out what I might wanna do or what I can do or how I can add. If there wasn't anybody that was one of my elders, however I'm identifying, however they're identifying, I don't have a path and it makes it much less likely for me to live up to my potential. And we've got an entire world full of people of all ages that have all of this potential. I would argue there isn't anyone that doesn't have potential. Lots of negatives in that one. Everybody's got potential and letting people see themselves 
everywhere in positive ways and in realistic ways, I think is just the most critical thing we can do to help people. Absolutely. You know, as you're talking, Dr. Chris, about this work that you do to really help people understand how to be inclusive in education and in all the spaces we find ourselves in, I'm realizing that I forgot to mention your books in the introduction. (laughs) I'm horrified. And you are so humble that you didn't point that out. But I would love to ask you because the kind of really rigorous exploration of what inclusion truly means, not just a little passing mention of, oh, people who have two moms, you know, but really deep um, looking, exploring, looking at how do we make that inclusive of everyone and in not just, again, in a token kind of way, but in a real rich way. You've written books on this. You've written award-winning books on these topics for the business world, for the world of education. We really want people to know that and to be aware. So can you please, at this point, tell us the titles of your books and where people can find them? (laughs) So I feel like the titles get real long because we want to make sure that in the world of social media, that the words that people are keyword checking for are included. So I think the words of all of them would probably get pretty boring. But for those of you who are, I'm always a big fan of indie bookstores. If you can find a Black-owned bookstore, an LGBT-owned bookstore, if not just your local small-owned bookstore, they can always find if my books aren't on shelves. If any books aren't on a shelf, you can always ask, they can order. And so even just searching my name or asking because it's spelled K-R-Y-S-S, even just my first name, all the big box stores will have it pop up in their internet searches. It's on my website, which is this is Chris, this is K-R-Y-S-S dot com. And so they're all findable there, including the fourth one, which as we are recording, this is not yet out, but pre-sale is, which means it will be definitely out by the time that this is watched or listened to. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And so on that topic of your books, one of your books titled Creating an LGBT Plus Inclusive Workplace um, is particularly highly regarded. And we were curious to hear what is some of the positive feedback from that book sounded like? I've gotten really lucky because when I wrote it, it was something I felt like needed to happen. People never know how things will be received. And so I sort of wrote it because I thought it should exist. And then kind of closed my eyes and crossed my fingers and figured maybe a few people that are in my life love me enough to buy a few copies. And if I sell five copies, great. And I've gotten really lucky that it has been picked up by a bunch of formal publications, by major companies and organizations. And I'm a believer that I'm not an expert in everything. I mean, that's not just a believer thing. That's just factually accurate. But I think it's more important not to be an expert everywhere, but to know where to get to the experts. And so in this book, I went and interviewed more than 15 business professionals, leaders of major organizations, places like Colgate and Palmolive, Bank of Nevada, the head puppeteer of the Muppets, all sorts of people in all sorts of industries to talk with them about what are they seeing in inclusion. I think it's only so useful for everyone to hear what I think. But I'm not running 15 different companies. Other people are, though. And being able to look and read either the ones that pertain to the reader, like if you plan to go into banking, the one from the Bank of Nevada's vice president is particularly interesting, probably. But also the ones that are just fun. Like I don't expect most of the people to be going into puppeteering. But most of us grew up with the Muppets. And sometimes it's just cool to hear that. 
And actually in this book, the first confirmation of the very first gay Muppet is listed in the book, is outed for the first time. And so that has become a very, very cool kind of moment, which has led not only to CEOs and board members wanting to have conversations and trainings, but the Muppet fan clubs have become fans of the book and accidentally learned a bunch of things when they bought it because they wanted to get to that one interview place. I love that. And I'm I'm curious to hear also, I you touched on it earlier, but I'm sure that there has been not universally positive responses to these books. And I'm curious to hear what is it like to have a book of yours banned and what has some of that negative feedback been like and how has that affected your life and you as an author? I want to say it's super great. In some moments it is. I watched a documentary recently on Judy Bloom, and she talked about having banned books. And I felt pretty awesome that I get to be a banned book author. And so does Judy Bloom because it's Judy Bloom. But also it's really frustrating and it's really tricky to, I feel like when I write, I'm pouring my guts out into something and I am, I am giving up quite literally giving up time that could be spent with the people I personally love and relaxing and watching you know, whatever great or garbage television shows I'm into at the moment and all of those things I'm not doing because I'm writing. So when I get told certain people can't read your books now, it breaks my heart. It's just a kind of tricky thing. I've also found that sometimes when books get banned of any sort, people are more apt to read them because when a book is banned, people want to know what they, whoever the they is, don't want you to know. So that's become sort of an interesting piece of it. The flip side of that backlash is that I get a lot more hate messaging now. Social media gets full of them. Sometimes they're public. Sometimes they're in the private messaging. My website gets a lot of hate messaging. I sometimes get emails. And sometimes they're just mean. Sometimes they're literal death threats with very specific things that are really, really scary. And when that happens especially along the time of when episodes of I Am Jazz are airing and we're all getting these sort of very specific death threats, it's hard to pretend that that's not impactful. It's hard to pretend I'm not more aware when I go take the dog for a walk than I would be if these things weren't happening. But I know I'm in good company and I figure anytime I'm doing anything that includes Judy Bloom in the category, I am totally fine with that. Dr. Chris, I can relate. I grew up on Judy Bloom and <laughs> and her books were incredibly comforting and uplifting during a very difficult, tumultuous time of growing up. And you bring up something that I just want to touch on a little bit more because, you know, when I when I was researching you, I was just so amazed by all the information about all the work that you've done. And there's not a lot out there about you personally, your life or where you are. And as we've discussed, and I think a lot of people aren't aware for people who do the kind of work, especially that you do being so in the public eye and people like the Jennings, you can't share everything because of your own safety. And I really want to make sure that people know that. And, and ask you about that as well, how that feels. The Jennings family, which for those who don't watch I Am Jazz, that is the center family on that show. And for those who do watch, you've probably noticed that when the front of the house is shown, the numbers of the house, of the address, are blurred out. And when the family goes to like an airport, the name of the airport gets blurred out. And... I have had to move sometimes because somebody has somehow figured out what my address was and put it on the internet. 
And the reality is that sometimes people are just mean online. They mean nothing by it. They're angry in that moment. They say something. Many people, I think, have done that when they've been in the heat of something. But there really are people who show up with weapons and with negative thoughts. And we have to be especially careful because even though there's something, I suppose, that might be considered honorable to some to die for what you believe in, nobody wants to have to die for such a thing. And so the mindfulness of when somebody asks me where I live, whether it's in a podcast or a print interview, I can't give that information or mindfulness that when I buy things, I think about how big would the U-Haul have to be if I had to pack up fast and move? Because I know if something gets out in the wrong place, it becomes unsafe for where I am. It's mindfulness of, uh, I don't have really pictures of my dog or the times I've dated somebody, pictures of them, my closest friends, all sorts of things are pretty much not there to keep all those other people safe. And there have been conversations that when it comes to the show, I am jazz, I didn't film for a long time. I didn't really start filming consistently until the seventh season, but they've been my family since far before the show existed. And we had some conversations about what am I agreeing to put myself at risk for? And is it worth the risk I'm taking? Do I feel like there's enough benefit to recognize that I'm becoming platformed in a way that's different? I know the new book that's coming out is for medical spaces and inclusion in medical spaces. And I saw this unfortunately coming. So I started to write this before our laws started to do what they're doing. Now there are many states with unfortunately more to come that ban transgender affirming care, some for youth, some also for adults. It's getting very tricky. The ACLU has a website that tracks in each state, what are the bills, what's likelihood to become law, who can you email, who can you write to, where can you show up? If that's an interest, the ACLU's website is always great. They keep track by the minute of what's going on, but it also means I'm putting out a book that goes directly against what some of the state laws are. I'm quite literally teaching the reader how to do the thing that might be against the law in their state. And there aren't necessarily clear cut rules on what happens if somebody listens to something I say and gets in trouble. Those are risks that I'm taking. I believe it's worth those risks. I also know that there are privileges in the risks that we get to take that Somebody who, for example, is a multimillionaire can take some risks with what they say at work that somebody who is a single parent of three children, self-supporting and supporting these kids might not be able to do. It doesn't mean they're not both supportive. It doesn't mean they're not both allies in their hearts. It just might mean some people can't speak up. And really, that's where I come from when I write the books is I don't assume that people are evil or horrible or terrible and some of the things that the media tells us that polarizes us, I figure most of the times any of us get anything wrong, it's just because nobody told us it was wrong and then told us what to do instead. That makes sense. I think that's right. And to go back to one of your other books that we meant to bring up earlier as well, your book, The Educator's Guide to LGBT Plus Inclusion, was named the top LGBT plus book for parents. So I'm curious to also hear what the feedback to that was like. It's tricky. I've gotten some parents that have sent me emails that have been very unkind. It breaks my heart. I've gotten 
I suppose, kind of good if one ever gets good at how to respond when people care to share their actual email address so that I can create a dialogue and a place where we can talk. I think sometimes it becomes easy to just assume someone is horrible and we either shut down or we scream at each other. That doesn't get any side anywhere. So I'm a big believer that if you're going to tell me about all the ways I'm wrong, let's talk about that. Let's figure out what's the research showing. What's your expertise? Because maybe you're coming from a really researched background and we have some places we can come together. Finding that out becomes really critical. I've also had parents and educators and community leaders and mental health professionals that work for and with K through 12 students, grandparents, all sorts of people that have emailed or approached me and talked to me about when somebody came out or when somebody in their life was newly out that the book really helped them understand. And so they could speak with intelligence. They could speak with kindness and empathy. We know that the suicide rates and self-harm rates for kids are so high in this community. And, you know, I don't know what to do so much when I get the hate messages, but I feel like I probably am even less prepared for the times that somebody cries and tells me something I wrote may have helped their kid not become suicidal because they had an affirming adult. And I, I never know what to say for those. I don't know that any of us are ever equipped to know. I'm sure that the people that are listening to this podcast have lovely things to say about the two of you. It's just hard for us to ever know the impact that we have, which is why I think we can all have much more impact than we ever realize if we make the decision to, to try for it, at least. And so speaking of the scale of the impact that we have, I mean, one thing I'm curious about, you brought up a couple of times as being on the cast of I Am Jazz. And so I'm curious to hear your perspective on what it was like to be on such a major TV show and to, I imagine, have your platform grow as a result of that. It's kind of strange in full transparency because they've been my family. We're not biologically related. We're chosen family for almost Jazz's entire life. And so the cameras being around took a minute to get used to because when we're together, typically there aren't cameras around. At the same time, those are people I really spend my time with. They are the people who my graduation party when I became a doctor was in their house, the same house we film in. They are people we've traveled together and shared shampoo in a hotel room and all those sorts of things. And I have been a crying mess over a breakup or somebody's been a little bit green because they've been sick with the flu or whatever it's been that we've lived through together in all these decades and years. So having it captured on TV in some ways is not surprising or strange in that sense because they're just the people I'm regularly with. It's a little interesting to me when people approach or they email and they ask me something and I initially wonder how the heck they could know that. And then I remember, oh, that wasn't a time we were alone, it was a time when the, also the cameras were there. So that part gets a little interesting. I get asked a lot if the kids in the family are actually that close or if the parents in that family are really that much in love. The assumption is always it's just for camera. I promise you, if not more so, they are real like that. The kids really are truly best friends with each other. And it is, as someone who has been a single person during the time of knowing Jeanette and her husband, Greg, he sets a high bar for people to date. She sets a high bar also. And the way that they look at each other, what you catch on camera is only about half as adorable as they actually are in real life. So it's fun to get asked that because I get to brag on them a little bit. 
it's also kind of fun when people talk to me about they watched season one, they can't believe Jazz grew up. I can't believe that she's a grown up. Sometimes I sit next to her and I'm not looking at her when she speaks. And then I turn my head and I'm startled because she's a young adult now. And in my mind, she's probably 13, 14. And she kind of laughs and says, like, you know, you forgot I grew up again. Yes. Yeah, I forgot a little bit that you grew up again. Because as unique, I guess, as it is to be a TV family, every person I know that has kids or has nieces or nephews or nibblings or grandchildren all have that moment of, I logically know that this child is 30 years old, but in my mind, they're seven or whatever that is. So it's sort of really unique and absolutely the same as everybody else at the same time. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time because I'm a fan of the show. I've watched it for many, many years and I truly believe that. I truly see the love and the genuineness and the authenticity and the connection. And of course, I'm, it's so meaningful and important to me that the Jennings family is modeling for the world how to embrace their transgender family member and be affirming and constantly be growing and learning how to be more supportive and be more affirming. Um, and I want to believe that it's all real and that I'm not just buying, you know, and I do believe it. <laughs> yeah. It is real all the time. It is, it is real in that there are moments where, you know, the kids shouldn't sit next to each other because they're both acting like they're 12 when they're bickering about <laughs> who knows what. And there are times where I know if anybody ever says anything mean, if you ever look at any of the family members on social media, the first people that come to somebody's defense are the members of the family, myself included. Yes. And, you know, we may goof around with each other and pick on each other because family does that. But if somebody else says something, we're always the first ones right there with each other's backs. And we are the people that when somebody's gone through a breakup, we cry in each other's rooms and on the couches and share clothing sometimes. Some of the things Jazz has worn, I have gotten her as gifts or we've bought together. I get asked a lot if the tie-dye that I wear <laughs> is specific for the show. Um, it is not. It is literally the clothing I already own. It is why all of my book covers have rainbow tie-dye on them. My books are dressed like me. That is just my whole real life. I was probably more tie-dyed out before I knew the Jennings. I may have contributed to that situation, <laughs> for which I do not apologize. Um, for those who have seen some of the episodes in season seven, there were some sort of, I suppose, hijinks that I got Jeanette into and sometimes her mom and her other daughter, also Ari. And I've had people also ask me, is that all filmed for television? Yes, the cameras were there. Also, I'm kind of surprised that Jeanette still takes my phone calls because when you're kind of the wacky friend of things and the one that says, I have a crazy idea, I'm just shocked sometimes that she's always willing to jump in and just sort of say, okay, let's do that. I mean, she let us tie-dye in the living room of her house. And I have <laughs> never been more afraid of anything on the face of the planet. As scary as it is when I get death threats, it's literally scarier to me that I was going to get dye anywhere in her house while we were tie dyeing, but the lightning outside meant we didn't have a choice. And I think I apologized about a hundred times at different times. The poor editors probably edited out 95% of my apologies and y'all probably saw me apologize far too many times, but that is what our life really is. You know, there are, nobody is the family in the photo frames at Kohl's or Walmart or wherever it is. It's real people. It's real. We get annoyed and we roll our eyes at each other. We get frustrated with each other. 
but nobody shows up for each other like the Jennings family does. So if that's something, regardless of one member of the family being transgender or anything else, if that's getting modeled and getting replicated in other households, to me, it's worth the filming and it's worth the risks we take to film. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I love hearing those behind the scenes, you know, little anecdotes. They're really fun little nuggets for me as a huge fan of the show. And I think a lot of people do tune in because the family's just so real and fun and funny. And you're, you know, as you said, you all got all these crazy antics going on and fun friends, family members, chosen family members. Um, but at the same time, you're seeing a family with a transgender child and it's all normalized and it's all like with Jackie and I, we always talk about how we don't even talk about her being transgender. If you were to film us, you'd be seeing us playing with our pets and talking about politics and doing fun things. And, you know, going fun, you know, when she was here, we went to a fun trivia, pub trivia night and, you know, just living life and having fun. And so I think people seeing that, it really makes an impact. Right. And also, I mean, when we talk about what we're normalizing, it really makes me think a lot about a woman in England who is one of the top kind of inclusion people in this space out in England. And she invented a new word that I've become a bit obsessed with over the years the word is usualized. And she really took a look at when we're saying we're normalizing something, what we're saying is it's currently abnormal, which is inherently offensive. Like none of us want to be considered abnormal. We know if medical tests are abnormal, that's really scary. But looking at something as what's unusual and making it more usual, usualizing it. I heard her say it. We were on a panel once many years ago. And I literally interrupted her and I said, I just need you to know I'm never going to stop using that word. Please be my friend because I'm going to use this word and talk about you all the time. And I mean, that's kind of an awkward thing to say to another human, especially at a live event. But bless her and her giant heart that we truly have become friends. And I have included the word in all the books I've written since I knew it. Speaking of book things, you'll see that Jazz endorses the books and in the acknowledgments, the members of the family are in the acknowledgments because they are my in real life family. And I think that's, it is a little bit of the behind the scenes. It's also right in front of the scenes. And that is, you see the cats in the household because we spend a lot of time hanging out with the cats. And sometimes when it's time to talk about something, we're going to talk about it with a cat in our lap or a cat that's in our lap that's trying to get away because cats are going to cat. So it's, it's very much real life. And sometimes it's scary because it means strangers know details about our real lives and our interactions. But I do think that it is just the way anybody else goes to trivia and goes to hang out and hangs out. We talk about hanging out with our dogs. They're hanging out with their cats. It's sort of all real life because we're all having the same giant life together when we're on the planet at the same time. It's funny that you say that because when we were interviewing Jeanette, her cats were walking in front of her as we were filming. And we were like, no, this is great because Jackie's cats have been in lots of our videos. My cats have been featured a few times. Yeah. (laughs) In our Patreon membership, we included an exclusive of a cat fight that that Jackie's two cats had. (laughs) And we had to pause our nothing serious. But, you know, they have their little their little little battles. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> Jackie I feel like the- that's the plug right now for those of you who are watching or listening that are not Patreon members. Yeah. This is what you're missing out on. These are the things we put in there just Great for content. fun. I mean, we put in lots of exclusive <laughs> educational content and videos and things, but we, you know, for fun, every once in a while, we'll put in some some bloopers or some things like that. So that's only, the cap bite is only in Patreon membership. So thank you for reminding I'm us. I'm joining. It, for that. anybody that hasn't, I am definitely joining. I mean, the, the educational stuff, great, but I'm really in it for the cat fight. There you go. It was a good one. I'll keep one. that in mind. I'll, I'll try to catch a few more of those on video. It was, it was like a prolonged one. Of- whatever my membership, whatever level I come in at, will be worth oh. it for the cat videos. And the oh, movement. you're so kind. Well, then we'll have to post more. Come to think of it. Yeah, we'll do more. We can- <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to say one more thing about uh, what you said, Dr. Chris, because you talked about watching jazz grow up. And it really touched my heart. And today is Mother's Day. And so I'm going to take the opportunity to say happy birthday to Jackie. This week is Jackie's birthday was three days ago. So I'm going to embarrass her and say that even though she just turned 26 as her mother, you know, I feel like it was just yesterday that she was three. And, you know, and when your child grows up, you just, I can't even express the feeling of being so proud and seeing your child as this amazing, incredible adult who is doing so much important work in the world and being this advocate and and taking her experience as a transgender woman transitioning to help support other transgender people and to educate family members and parents and and people in the workplace and allies. And I just want to acknowledge you, Jackie, this week of your birthday that at only 26, because I know you probably feel like, oh, 26, I'm so old now. But Dr. Chris and I can laugh at that, right? And go, just wait, you hey, have I done so like much. I not be included in this. But it, means <laughs> we get, it means we get to celebrate Jackie and her birthday. It means we get to celebrate you and your mom anniversary. <laughs> it you. means we get the privilege of thank you for raising such an incredible 26-year-old. Thank you for being on this planet as a 26-year-old. We are all lucky that you're both here. Lots to celebrate all around. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you. And I think it's also important to note that those of us who are a bit older than 26 have so much to learn from the younger generations. And I don't know what it is, but I can say my kids know way more than I did at their age. I don't know if it's the internet or what it is in the world, you know, but we all have a lot to learn from each other. And I hope that people will continue to learn from their children because they're, you know, they're brought up in a very different world than the one that we were brought up in. And we all have so many ways to learn from each other. I truly believe that. And only 40% of that knowledge is meme based. There's some great George Santos memes going around, by the way. There's been some really good. Um, and also, I feel like it doesn't matter yes. the distance between when we've recorded this and when y'all are listening to it. There will still be really good George Santos memes <laughs> going around. Jackie has some good ones. Follow Jackie. That's right. If you good. are tuning into this years into the future, <laughs> I'm going to assume there's probably going to be whatever he's calling himself at that point memes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Um, can there potentially be some good memes that get put into for Patreon membership? Ooh, there you go. Maybe we have some go. Patreon exclusive memes. That's oh my a great gosh, idea. Jackie. 
The mashup needs Brilliant. to happen. Are yes. your cats actually George Soros? Or George Santos? Oh, Jackie, you have to do that. Soros is somebody's fault. George Santos is never at fault. Well, wait, I just remembered that George Santos was the third co-founder of Transgender School with us. I can't believe we forgot that. So I think we probably need to give him credit. He co-authored all my books. That's amazing. It's actually, we've been mistakenly calling it I Am Jazz. It's actually called I Am George. (laughs) (laughs) We're all related to him. Mm -hmm. It's actually not Jackie's birthday week. It's George's birthday week. Right, right. uh Oh, my goodness. George is also your parent. Let's be honest about things. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh boy, you two are so funny. You two are good. Yes, and Jack. Yes, Jackie. I've seen some of your George Santos memes. They are too good. At people, you've got to find them. Subscribe to the Patreon for lots of great content. What else could you possibly <laughs> want? That's like eighty-five percent of why we internet anyway. So curated information right there in Patreon, only for those who subscribe. I'm telling you, to hear someone like you say that, who's so educated and so, you know, so acclaimed as an author and expert makes me feel a lot better. Because sometimes when I'm not feeling so great, I just got to scroll and laugh at the silliness and whatever, if it's an SNL skit or whatever it is, it just helps me out a lot. So thank you for giving us that reminder that, that we need that too in life, especially when we're dealing with a lot of heavy stuff in the world. That's so important for us to all enjoy. And Jackie's Definitely got an amazing sense of humor. Right. I mean, the, the current season of another TLC show, 90 Day Fiance, as a trans guy. And he, it, I mean, granted that show was absolute garbage in the best way. The way that like the junk food that I covet and crave is also garbage, but in the best way. This current season is including a couple that is a hetero couple that includes a trans guy. And he speaks very openly about what his transition experience has been. They talk about any surgical or hormonal he has had or what he's not had. He talks about why he is filmed. They show him having to come out to her family before he can decide if they're going to accept him. And we get as viewers to watch all of that. So even in the garbage of the garbage television, there's a lot of real life stuff. And we get to see on his social media accounts What's happening? How are people speaking to him? How are people responding? Who is supportive? So even when we're not trying to intentionally include trans people, we are now in a world, no matter how many people try to quiet and silence it, where there are trans people everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's not new and it's not a fad and it's not a phase. We know that the research shows that more than 97% of people, if not more, that come out are very clear and never change that. Mm -hmm. So when we have this question of what if my kid is just making it up? What if they're just pretending? Mm -hmm. First of all, it's very, very statistically likely they are not. Second of all, so what? If you just affirm whoever your kid is, whether they are going by Jackie or Jacqueline or Jacqueline or Jay or whatever else, if they tell you their name is something on Monday and it's something different on Tuesday, Call them the name they want to be called. If they switch pronouns seven times, so what? Call them by whatever pronoun you want when you call them to the phone or call them to the dinner table. Your kids don't necessarily need you to get it and be an expert. They just need you to show up and love them and not make them feel as bullied at home as might be happening in their school and is definitely happening politically right now. 
It means we get to celebrate. We get to have people that stay alive long enough to celebrate when they turn 26, which is really the thing we all want is we want to be able to brag on our kids, on other people's kids. I'm bragging on Jackie. She's not even my kid. She's just super cool and I know her. And so I'm going to brag. That's one of the things about Patreon too. You get to brag about being friends with Jackie if you're a Patreon member. I'm just saying that and nobody pays me to say this. Promise you nobody does. We should be though. <laughs> Jackie, she's doing a better job of plugging our Patreon than we Seriously, do. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. We forget to mention it. We're like, join our Patreon. Y'all see the cat fights <laughs> and the memes every day. And I understand the amazingness when those memes and cat fights are curated for me making every dollar of the Patreon well worth it. <laughs> Thank you for that, for that plug. We really, really means a lot. And we want to do the same for your work as well, really. Yeah. And we will have the links to your books. And remember, I think you made a great point at the beginning about, you know, you don't have to buy it online and go to your local bookstore, ask them, they will order it for you. And you will make that local bookstore that much more likely to still exist in the future. And if you don't know a local bookstore, because I'm just going to circle us all the way back to the beginning, Judy Bloom owns a small bookstore. You can probably Google search or internet or Bing or ask Jeeves or whatever you're doing about that. Find out you can order it through her bookstore too. So wherever you're ordering, whatever's easiest on you, those who need to go to big box, I get it. I don't judge. If you've got the option to give it an extra day, even just in waiting for shipping, support the bookstores that really need it. They are the ones still stocking banned books. They are the ones trying mm -hmm. to stay afloat during all the banning of all the books. So if you are somebody who has any book that you love that has ever been banned, and most of the most lovable books have been banned at one time or another, show up for your bookstores, show up for your booksellers and your book authors. If you are somebody who can't afford or chooses not to put your money into books when they are by black authors, LGBT plus authors, if they are about any of these sort of controversial topics, Go into your Goodreads, go into your Amazon account, five-star review them, because that's how the publishers know what to keep letting us publish. It costs you no money. It costs you five seconds of your time. But the more of us that can do that for each other, the more likely we have that we keep getting to publish. Even if people are banning, it means the banners of the books don't get to win. I think that is a great note on which to bring the conversation full circle. And so the last question we have is you've done so much. What's next? What's your vision for the future? Are you feeling optimistic? I mean, I feel like Jackie, you're not paying attention at all. What's next is I'm going to Patreon and watching cat videos. That is clearly what is next in the rest of my day. Pay you're right. Attention. You're right. That's where we're going with this one. Uh, Obviously. I you know, I, I've written four books in four years now, so my brain's a little tired, but I also know that the battle is far from over. So uh, working with publishers and taking a look at what the book sales and the book reviews are to see if that's something that they want to put money into and taking a look at that and finding other authors who need somebody to contribute something so that we can kind of keep that train on its tracks. I'm still teaching at universities and that's going on, picking up different speaking events. I do a lot of them virtually now because it's become much safer. So it's safer that way. It's also less expensive when people don't, when organizations and companies don't have to pay for travel and hotel. 
and food, it means it's a safer thing for me and it's a cheaper thing for them. And really just trying to show up in all of the most authentic ways I can. I try to get things wrong in other aspects of my life because it means I'm learning. So the things that kind of freak me out because I don't feel like I know enough, those are the things in other categories of life that makes me want to dive into. It makes me go down the Wikipedia rabbit holes and learn about what are the other areas that I don't have the expertise in that I can support somebody. So it's authors like Black author Frederick Joseph and Tyler Merritt who are writing these brilliant books that need support. And I learn more about how to be better at being an anti-racist. It's learning about uh, reading books, Bell Hooks book, All About Love. I recommend to everyone at all times. She was a black lesbian author, and that's a perspective that's not my own life. And continuing to learn from these people, people that are in wheelchairs, people that have different neurodiversities, people that have different physical diversities, all of that, it means I'm learning from someone who doesn't see the world through the same eyes that I do. So I am deep in the pile of books to be reading. I am deep in the hopes of working with other authors and doing events and getting to meet people and doing all sorts of consulting work for families or for businesses, because I feel like as many places as I can be to be helpful, it's better. And it's better that I get to also learn because I've never met someone who didn't have something they could teach me, even when I'm showing up to teach them something. Very inspiring. And we will be cheering you on and recommending your work and and continuing to follow your your path and your work. And we're so grateful for all that you do and the dedication that you show to really, and, and everything you just described about all how, the way you immerse yourself in learning from as many people, from as many perspectives and life experiences as possible. We share that commitment and we do the same. And uh, I think the world would be very different if everyone had the commitment to doing that. So we're, all we can do is is shared that we're, we're trying to do that and we encourage others to do the same. Is there anything that we have left out that you would like to share with our audience, Dr. Chris? We don't want to leave you with anything unsaid that you would like to share. I mean, I got nothing. I'm just getting excited to go check out a cat site that I recently <laughs> heard about that I'm real psyched for. So I got to up my Patreon membership because oh. I hear there are more cat fights coming. <laughs> there will, there be will definitely now, be more. Now, coming, after, yes. now that we've had this conversation, we, we've got to make sure, Jackie, you've got to turn on that camera when uh, when Cody and Misty are going at it. And well, actually, there's also then the dog gets involved, too. She's got two cats and a dog. Well, once the dog gets involved, I have to go scoop them up and physically separate <laughs> them. Believer in equity. As the Patreon memberships start rolling in, can we get your official commitment that they will get a portion in treats or biscuits or whatever? Because if they're doing the work, they should. Right. Absolutely. Yes. That is a fair point. And I look forward to negotiating with the Association of Thornhill Pets. Yeah, if anybody's got like a lizard lawyer that they recommend that Jackie's animals talk to before signing any contracts. Oh, I, I think I know which one of them is going to run the bargaining unit. As it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure there's a clause in there to renegotiate as the more viewers come in. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my gosh. You two are so funny. You're reminding me, I sent Jackie a contract to look over for some work and she just like red marked every line. And so, so she's, she's not kidding about knowing how to do these kinds of negotiations with pets or humans or anyone. <laughs> and I'm sure you do too. Now as I well. know that Jackie's going <laughs> to check out mine or I can't ever try and contract Jackie for anything. Oh boy. Watch out. Yeah. She'll, yeah. you can't use this word and me. you need to say this this way. And. I want to be paid this number of dollars in this many cat videos. Something's (laughs) getting red penned in that. It's a funny thing. People will send you these documents to sign and they won't realize that you edited it before you signed it until it's too late. Ooh, that's smart. Ooh, that's a good one, Jackie. If you're smart (laughs) enough to work around the system, it's not your fault when other people aren't. (laughs) There is a fortune cookie to end us on right there, folks. (laughs) There we go. Perfect. Yes. Well, we are sure. Thank you for being with us to our wonderful audience. We are so grateful for for our audience. And we are so grateful to you, Dr. Christine, for being here to share your wisdom and your humor and your just wonderful personality and and humanity with us. And I'm sure everyone who's listening or watching this is going to go out and look for your books and look for your website and your work. And we are going to include all of that in the show notes and easy links so everybody can just click and find all of the amazing works that we've mentioned. Is there anything else you'd like to mention verbally before we wrap up? I mean, if you've got cool memes, you can tag me in them too, but they're not going to be as cool as the ones on Patreon because Jackie's clearly an expert on all things. So, you know, apparently 26 is the new, I don't know what age, but obviously I still have a lot to learn and I'm going to learn them through memes and let Jackie curate that for me and what I'm supposed to learn. Same here. I have nothing to add. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thank you so much, Dr. Chris Shane. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching. Make sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month.